spiritual brothers and sisters that we can be on this journey with. I thank you, Lord, that we are not alone. You've sent your Son, you've given us your Word, and you've given us companionship in each other. Thank you so much for what you have done. Lord, I pray that today your Word would be like fireworks. It would be exciting. It would be alive. That we would be alert to it. That you would open our spiritual eyes. That you would open our spiritual ears. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 is where we are going to start this morning. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. Are you there? Okay. I've got page 400. All right. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. Sounds like one of our parties. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Today, I want to talk about joy as strength. And this is uh, something that has not always come natural to me. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about my journey. And I wanted to be precise in how I did this, so I actually wrote it out, which is not normal for me. Uh, We've recently talked about entering a spiritual rest as a benefit of salvation and experiencing personal healing via interactions with Jesus that are unexpected. Do you know that phrase, you don't miss something until it's gone? As a kid, I was happy. I was comfortable with who I was, at peace in my little world, and not feeling like I was missing out on anything. I didn't have a care in the world, a quick to laugh and expecting things to be good every day. That changed when I was nine years old. That summer, a few neighbor girls initiated sexual experimentation with me using pornography. I felt dirty. I didn't talk to my parents about it for years. I I didn't respond well. I then initiated the same kind of activity with other kids for years. Who I was how I saw the world, what I expected from life, it all changed. I went from being happy and positive to being sad, angry, and negative. I no longer expected things to be good every day, but instead I expected things to be bad every day. My healing began in adolescence and has continued throughout adulthood. It has taken years to realize just how hurt, how unhappy, how negative I was. Social anxiety had become a controlling factor in my life. I allowed my daily emotional pain to keep me from receiving the healthy love of people that God had put in my life. And I allowed it to keep me from receiving the cleansing forgiveness and love of my Father God through Jesus. Over the years, I struggled to follow Jesus to receive His love, healing, forgiveness, and live the way He designed me to. Often I felt confused. How could God love me? And yet I found that the more I threw myself into His love, the more He healed me. Jesus' love 
healed my pain. This healing slowly pushed out negativity, my sadness, my anger, my insecurity, my anxiety, and changed my desires. I embraced it, and the process of forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation. There were moments of healing. There were months of healing. Now I find life with Jesus to be better than any other experience I could desire. Now I don't want anything to take the place of Jesus in my heart. To my surprise, I have found a new ability to be happy. I've literally been surprised by joy. Every day there's a smile on my face that had not been there before. Because of Jesus, I'm now able to be happy. Every morning I remember who our God is and who I am in Him. I'm new. I'm happy. I have joy. can't talk about joy without some honesty first, right? And the truth of the matter is, is that for a great deal of my life, I was not a joyful person. I was the opposite. I was negative and expecting the negative every day. And so this verse just sounded like empty words to me. I didn't understand it before. But there has been a change in me. And honestly, it even feels like a physical change, a re- wiring of my brain, an ability for me to experience joy that I did not experience before. And it is to me now, as it says in this verse, it's joy as strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's different. I want to crystallize this with a few simple statements. Joy is possible because Jesus makes all things new. That's that's something that some of us need to just meditate on until we are changed. Until we are intoxicated with His love. In every sense of the word. Drunk in the Spirit. Intoxicated overwhelmed, our senses changed, our desires changed, our pleasures changed, our awareness of God's love changed. Some of us need to meditate on this thought until we are changed. Joy is possible because Jesus makes all things new. I don't stand before you this morning as an addict. I stand before you as a new creation. I am new. I am new in Him. Joy is possible because Jesus makes all things new. Joy can be my response to Jesus. It can. Joy can be my daily benefit of following Jesus. Through Jesus, this joy can be a guiding force in my life. It's possible. It's possible. Do those statements help that help 
crystallize for you a little bit what we're talking about? Let's go back to our passage. Let's explain a little bit from Nehemiah chapter 8. Who's talking and, and what's going on, okay? So it might be a little bit confusing if you haven't had a whole lot of time with the Bible yet, but even though this book is before Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah and Jeremiah, what is happening in this book in chronological events is after Isaiah and Jeremiah and many of the prophecies that happen. This is actually one of the last set of events that happen before the close of events that are described in the Old Testament, okay? Before that 400-year gap between those events and when Jesus came. This is one of the later things that occurred. And what happened was a fulfillment of the prophecies, a fulfillment of God's promise that he would bring back his people into the city where he wanted them to be, into this place of rest, into this place that was designed to be peace and peaceful, into this place where that was designed for them to experience joy. God was bringing them back, and they had gone through a, a variety of experiences. A number of people had moved back from captivity into the city, but the city's walls were broken down and, and raiding neighboring uh, groups of people could come and steal from them and take from them, rob their crops, rob their goods, uh, rob from their homes uh, because there was no security in the city. And Nehemiah was serving in a far off land and he had the report come to him what was going on in the city. And he had read God's promises. And he said, well, that's not how it should be. He counted the cost. He made a plan. And when the opportunity came, when the king asked him, what he was sad about. He told him what was going on in Jerusalem. And then he had an answer prepared for what it would cost to return, to rebuild the walls. They went to work. They faced resistance. They faced criticism. They, it was not an easy time. And one of the things that they had done when they, once they got to a certain point in the construction was that they assigned certain spiritual leaders to sit and to openly read the word of God to them, which would have been Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They read the word of God to them, and they and what we see in the earlier chapters is they spent hour after hour not only reading it, but explaining it. And there was question and answer time. There was a time for people to learn what it was that God was saying and to soak in the big picture and what who God is and what he was doing, that God was a God of promise, that God was a God of hope. And what they found was not a judge who was seeking to punish and create a list of rules, but instead what they found was a father, a creator, who from the very beginning with Adam and Eve was ever going after, seeking after those who had left him, those who had abandoned him, those who had sinned against him, those who had done the, the, the things that he had asked them not to do. God was a God who loved to forgive, and God was a God who was willing to come down to earth and to speak to them, and that's what they found. And what's interesting to me is that here, even before their public group confession of their sins, they were experiencing some sorrow and some remorse from what they had did that was wrong. And we don't have time to go into it, but they had done a lot that was wrong. A lot that anybody in this room would look at and say, that's messed up. I'm not as bad as them. All right? They had done a lot that was wrong. But even before the repentance, the leader stands up and said, rejoice, be glad, Right? from what we had learned. There is a crossover into Jesus and 
the New Testament experience that we have today. Because we have come to understand the Word. We have come to understand who our God is. We have come to understand that He pursues us, that He loves to forgive, and that even though we do need to confess our sins, we should also, and the point here, is be quick to receive God's forgiveness and believe His promise of restoration. That that is where our joy is anchored. It's not in fake it till you make it. It's not in a brief charismatic experience and a woohoo. It's not just in good vibes. It's not just enjoying good natural things. It is based on truth. Fundamental, irresistible, unavoidable, eternal truth of who our God is. What He has done for us. What His promise is. The joy is based on this truth. And so we have today. I don't think we can talk about the joy of the Lord as our strength. And remember, joy of the Lord is important in keeping that phrase together without talking a little bit about joy inhibitors. So we have pharmaceutical world these days, you always hear about inhibitors, right? So what are some things in our life that are inhibitors of our joy, reducers, bringing back, peeling back, oppressing, suppressing, getting in the way of pulling the battery out of our joy. I think it's really important for us to ask ourselves some questions. And when we're not experiencing joy, why is that? And what is it that God wants us to do about that? And what is it that God himself has already done about that? See, don't let this the enemy twist this into some kind of, well, if you're not experiencing joy, you're not good enough. That's not it. That's what the enemy of your soul who wants to come to steal your joy, kill your joy, destroy your joy, wants you to think. This has got nothing to do with how good of a person you are. It is upon whom do you rely Who do you rely? Who is the bringer? It's the joy of the Lord. So when we experience fear, when we experience any of these things more than we experience wonder at who God is and the love of God and an appreciation for God, when we experience fear, when we are being controlled and affected by anger, when we are being affected by loneliness more than anything else, when we are exhausted, when we are experiencing selfishness, when we are allowing selfishness to keep us from our relationship with God and our relationship with others that can be life-giving, when we're experiencing pain, pain of all sorts, what can happen, as it happened with me, is we can actually have a sinful response and hold on to our pain more than we hold on to our Savior. Because I'm familiar, I'm more familiar with my pain than I am with my Savior. And so we can hold on to that. I don't want to let go of that. I have an insecurity. I'm not, I don't know what will happen if I let go of this pain. So sometimes talk therapy is really, really helpful. Scripture memorization, prayer, different kinds of exercises to help us let go of this pain. Unforgiveness whether you have not forgiven someone that's done something against you or you're not receiving the forgiveness of the Lord. You know, the easiest way I can spot a religious person is that they it's really hard for them to laugh. 
The easiest way you know you've got a relationship with Jesus is when it's easy to laugh. The closer you are to your forgiveness, the easier it is to laugh. The easier it is to have the joy of the Lord. The slower you will be for criticizing anybody for having some kind of charismatic experience of the joy of the Lord. Because you're like, who cares if that's the way they're missing it? Who cares? We're all in heaven. Come on. But if I'm a religious person, the kind of person that Jesus criticized, I don't have joy. Because I am far from my own forgiveness. I don't think I need my forgiveness. I think I am better than other people. Unforgiveness is a joy inhibitor. Gossip is a joy inhibitor. And let's include passive-aggressive social media behavior. Distraction. Just Some of us are just so distracted by busyness of life. And I, I've got, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm the chief, I use the internet and I use podcasts. And I always got something in my ear that's like, constant activity can cause a spiritual distractedness that can be a joy inhibitor in your life. I have people that will say, well, I, you know, I didn't understand this. And I didn't understand this. Okay, well, did you stop and listen? Distraction can be a joy inhibitor. And I'm not sure if this is a word, but I'm going to use it anyway. Prayerlessness. If you have a lack of having a conversation with God every day, you will automatically, as a result, lack joy. Now we can stress pray, and I've made that mistake too for months at a time, where all, all my prayers just stress prayer, and you still lack joy, and, and you're not getting anywhere in the joy department. You know what I'm saying? I gotta recite this thing, I gotta do this thing, I got this request and that request, I gotta, I gotta get that, I'm gonna get on with my life. God, I'm stressed out about that. Will you please do something about that? Now listen, God wants to hear our cry. He wants to hear our request. He wants us to go before Him when we want help. But prayer is also resting in Him. And we've been talking about this a lot lately. If you missed the last couple of Sundays, last two, three Sundays, you've got to get on the website on iTunes and listen to this. This has got to be a fragrance of, a signature of our church. We've got to learn how to rest in our salvation. Stop trying to prove that you are better because you're a Christian. That's a pile of doo-doo. Stop it. You are good because of who Jesus is, what He has done, and how you rely on Him. Plus nothing. Plus nothing. If I'm having a dialogue with God... It's kind of hard to take myself too seriously. Taking yourself too seriously is a joy inhibitor. And not talking with God every day is the easiest way. You take your challenges too seriously. You take who you are and what you've done to get you where you are too seriously. we got to just stop. God brought you here. Right? It's God who's doing the heavy lifting in your life, not you. Right? Are you with me? Okay, you ready for some solution? And I'm not just going to tell jokes for the rest of our time. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to put it on the screen. 
See, joy in our relationship with God is a strength to us. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 4. And this is one of those plural to like all y'all believers, right? This is one of those phrases. And this is, depending on your life experience and how much you had kind of like Bible quoting parents, this, this might be pleasurable or painful. Okay? Just, just being honest, right? Okay. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice! Like we needed, sometimes in conversations I see people's eyes just like glaze over. And I have to use some verbal dynamite just to get them to like, hey, we're having a conversation. I think that's what he just did there. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice! Let everyone see that you are considered in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. That's important. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. This is where we get some of the 12 steps. Then, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard, also Greek word here is guide, your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Let's sum up from this passage. Let's sum up these action points that can help us enjoy, right? Because it's really, this is a very relational text. Remember, he, he knew them. He knew what their tendencies were, what their past was, what God had forgiven them of. He knew the skeletons in their closet. We can't lift scripture out of the personal relationship context. It's all written in personal relationship context. And just as if you and I were sitting over a cup of coffee, because that's the only way I sit is with a cup of coffee. And we were, had a relational context of what was going on in your life. This is not a lecture of you got to do better. You got to do this. No, this is a positive encouragement of some suggestions of how we can do this. First of all, what you see under the, 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 you see the phrase next to the text, what he's saying, if I were to retranslate from the original language is enjoy a state of happiness. I know you're waiting for it. Happiness. (laughs) It's a deep callback. Happiness. That first phrases of the verse, that's what he's literally saying. Enjoy. Now, doesn't that sound different than do? Right? He's saying enjoy a state of happiness. Make a choice, right? We, let, let's get real. This might happen for a moment, and then it'll pass like gas. Okay, good. We got some laughter. (laughs) If we don't make a choice, right? 
every moment, every day, you can choose what are you allowing to affect you the most, what are you focused on the most, you can make a choice. This was a huge lesson for me, I must have heard it a thousand times, took me years to grasp. Oh, joy is a choice. I can choose it. Make a choice. Remember that Jesus is coming back. When was the last time you talked about that? I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to that with greater anticipation than today's lunch. And you know I love to eat. I want to see him with my eyes. I want to hear him with my ears. I want to hug him with my arms. I can't wait. You, we can talk about how it's going to happen all day. That doesn't matter. I want to see him. You're going through a hard time. Remember, Jesus is coming back. He's coming. It's certain. It's not maybe. It's certain. He's coming back. Don't worry. Don't worry. You've heard me say before in the Bible that 365 occurrences of either fear not or don't worry. So we need a little Bob Marley in our life, right? A little don't worry about a thing, right? Don't worry. Pray, right? Pray about everything. Pour your, yes, yes, pour your heart out before God. But don't pour it out just to then repeat it again. Pour it out so that you give it to Him, so that you let go and you let God. And, and get it out to the point of, I, and, and this is what really helps me. God, why is this affecting me this way? Why am I so angry or hurt or anxious or fearful about whatever it is I'm praying about? Why am I stressed about this? I've got to get work that God wants to bring healing to your emotions. Right? I, I don't... Occasionally my children get bad moods. I love them and I help them get out of the bad moods. A good father does not want the child to be in a bad mood for all of their life. My poor parents didn't know what to do with me. Day after day. Pain after pain. A good, your good father doesn't want you to feel that day after day. He wants you to experience healing. He wants you to come to joy. Pray, pour it out, thank him. This is so helpful. List what are the good things God has done. Will he give you this breath, that breath, that breath, that breath? He puts breath in your lungs. He gave you an opportunity to have a life. Start to count. Count your blessings. Thank God for the good that He has done. And if you will count your blessings more than your complaints, your attitude might change. God the Holy Spirit will come and renew your thoughts and your attitudes. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. Thank Him for what He has done. And then fix your thoughts. I love that phrase. Focus. 
Where is your focus? And this passage gives us that recommendation. Focus on what is good. Focus on what is good. Whatever things are honorable. Right? Focus on what is good. And then we have actions as a result. We have things that we can do that will make a difference. I just want to bring back, if I could, these statements as a reminder to us. Joy is possible because Jesus makes all things new. Joy can be my response to Jesus. Joy can be my daily benefit of following Jesus. Through Jesus, this joy can be a guiding force in my life. It's possible. It's possible. Now, at the back today, at the communion table, um, we Ben led us in prayer for over the, the trial that, that starts this week. Um, the um, Tomorrow starts the trial of the driver of the van for Freddie Gray. And I've got prayer topics here. They are the, the same that are online, uh, but prayer topics that are back there. This is a really important uh, week for us to pray. Um, as a volunteer police chaplain, I know that through some intelligence that there are some people from out of town that are here to try to stir up uh, violence. And we need to pray that that nonsense is put to rest. We also, as I state here, our God is a God of justice and a God of mercy. And it's good and right for us to pray for both justice and mercy. And I walk through that a little bit here. Also, for your benefit, there's a Bible study at the back of the room there. Joy is a choice with some verses about it that and, and questions for you to ask that might be helpful um, lunch conversation in betwixt and between your meal and your jokes. I'm, I'm a huge fan of humor, um, and I, I, I um, access humor in a variety of ways. Don't judge me. Um, I like stand-up comedy, for example, and a variety of other things, right? I actually, um, believe it or not, used to be paid to do improv comedy in a theater sports kind of thing and a cafe. I love